Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a crowd podcast. Hi, we're Football Book Club Podcast, and we need your support now. Let's let's drop the appeal music. Hi everyone, James here, and I just want to tell you about the brand new Football Book Club Club, which you can join to receive bonus weekly episodes, access to exclusive member events, and your very own Football Book Club book book bookmark, all for the same price as a used copy of Darren Huckabee's 2007 book, Hux. So if you enjoy the podcast and need to hear more afterwards, head to patreon.com forward slash football book club. Enjoy the episode. Michael Owen, Liverpool legend, England hero, film hater, once met Lara Croft, as we found out last week, plus author. But let's see what the book club thought of his 2006 book, Off the Record, as we continue the Michael Owen trilogy in this week's Football Book Club. Yeah, get back in front of those 10-year-olds. I want to see you fight a 10-year-old. I can imagine he's a big fan of, like, Danny Dyer's Deadliest Men. And Phil Neville can tell uh, the weather with his tits. Hello and welcome to Football Book Club, the only book club where, instead of literary classics, each week we read another footballer's autobiography. Less a Jerome K. Jerome, more Cameron Jerome. <laughs> Jack, I'm not sure I've heard of Jerome K. Jerome. He Jerome, wrote Jerome uh, Jerome. Three Men in a Boat. The, okay. the Reese, uh, what was that? The Rory McGrath show. The Rory McGrath yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wrote that. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it was called Three Men in a Boat, right? Yeah. That's a thing. That's a, so, yeah. Uh, it's a classic it's old fine. book. Thanks, Daxie Wilson, for that one. Actually, that's maybe a good tactic in the future. Just write uh, authors that Jack's never heard of and he won't slag you off. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, uh, in order to appear culture, like, yes, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This Jane Austen sounds fantastic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm James Mug, and over the weeks we'll be reading classics such as Robbie Fowler's My Life in Football and Emil Heskey's Even Heskey Scored. Oh, God, tragic. Uh, but today <laughs> we're back in with the second instalment in the Michael Owen trilogy. And joining me, as always, are Jack Bernhardt. Hello. James Balgen. Hello. And Natasha Daniels. Hello. Book two. Book mm-hmm. two. You've had a week to digest mm-hmm. it. How are you feeling mm-hmm. after uh, our first instalment in person? Uh... Mm. I'm glad that we're like over the, you know, halfway mark. Yes. We're on the home stretch Well, we're now. not. We're, 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 we're not even the, we're we're not, we're this is the, the thing, Cash. Mark. This is the thing. We're not. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to contain the sense of rage and betrayal and anger that I feel right wait, now. Wait, wait, wait. Betrayal by who? This. You. Why have I betrayed you? 
We've never done Dougie Friedman. We've never done Clinton Morrison. Well, there's two We've reasons. Just done Liverpool. Two, re- two reasons for that. Two reasons for that, that neither of them got a book. And that's actually the only reason. Neither of <laughs> people have got books. There's very good reasons. I am incredibly sick of reading the same stories about 2000 <laughs> Liverpool to 2004 yes, Liverpool. That is a good I, point. I just. Uh, I am the fact as well. also that you said, oh, we're in the future, we might read some books by Robbie Fowler and Emil Heskey. More players from Liverpool, 2000 to 2004. What are you trying to do to us? If I have to hear one more time about how Gerard Houllier transformed the Liverpool dressing room, I think I'm going to scream. It, it is true. I have read so many it stories. It feels like about you're Gerard doing that thing. You know where Darren Brown like secretly trains you to do something? Like, Are we all going to be dropped into some mastermind chair where we all have to yeah. answer questions about 2002 <laughs> Liverpool series? Every possibility. Okay. Every possibility. So that's what that 20 foot uh, cut out of Gary McAllister was. <laughs> I keep seeing. Every time I'm out and about, I see that. Like, what is that? Yeah, I've actually been building a shrine to Vladimir Smicer in my back garden. <laughs> yeah. I have, I've had no idea why. All very useful activities. Uh, probably more uh, useful than uh, reading most of these books. But anyway, uh, that, <laughs> last week we covered Young Owen, early Liverpool, you know, France 98 Owen. This week we're reading a much more book-like book. Uh, his 2006 autobiography, Off the Record, as we, you know, continue the Owen story and we meet a slightly older Michael Owen, a more mature Michael capturing the end of Liverpool, Madrid, the beginning of Newcastle, that kind of time. Are you, are you excited to find out about this stage of Michael? Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I say, I feel like I feel like we'd already, to an extent, I feel like I, I knew this side of Michael and learning a bit more about it mm-hmm. um, was uh, something I didn't need to do. Okay. I just, I, just, I just didn't need it in my life. Okay, okay. And yet... I've done it. Um, and you feel better for it? Well, I feel I feel slightly better. I suppose I do think that Michael Owen has sort of matured a little bit because he tells the same golf story that he told last week about how he his game went to went rubbish when he um, found out that he was going to be in the England squad. He's like, oh, my game went to pot. But this time he doesn't reveal the fact that he went on to beat his dad. So he mm. has kind of matured a bit. Like it he's feels learned... a bit like the last book was the sort of pointillist version of his life, and this one is the more like impressionist version of the same time period. That's a very interesting way yeah. of putting it. Tash, it's interesting you say that. We kind of get to learn these different, you know, sides of it, these different parts of it, because the book on the back promises it's Michael Owen's full account of his life on and off the pitch, told with real edge, promising a revealing insight into the world of professional footballer and football. And just to give you a little bit um, of an example of uh, of that kind of edge that Michael Owen offers us. In the book, I have this here. I suppose I'm quite old-fashioned when it comes to playing the game. Umbro, one of my major sponsors, are always trying to twist my arm to get more colour into the boots they make for me. As I've grown older, I've let them inject a little more white. So that's how... (laughs) That is how... Excited. That's the level of think, edginess we're going to be dealing with today. Can my, can my size be more audible? Would you like them to be more audible? <sighs> He's getting to know himself better. And let's let's find out even more about Michael as we read off the record. So over the show, we're going to go into more depth about the book. We have a quiz at the end and Ken's back with his chant challenge. But first, uh, you might hear what Amazon's saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You might hear that. Give us a little Amazon review. I'll oh, give you a little Amazon review. The book has 4.3 stars out of 5 from 25 reviews. Not bad at all. Yeah. 4.3 because it was it was 3.5 last week, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's, he's jumped for, up. For the Smash Hits annual. 3.5 from 3. Now it's 4.3 yeah. from 25. 
including this five-star review from Omar, who uh, apparently is a verified Amazon reviewer, which I didn't know was a thing. Oh. Had a little tick next to his name. So. Oh yeah, you, you got to be in the know, though. This guy's this guy's a pretty important, a pretty big deal. We should get him on the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Omar. Uh, he's, his review is titled "Great Book," and it reads: "The book came fast in brilliant condition. Life story told by Michael Owen is amazing and interesting. His private photographs adds a lot of value to the story. Must read to any fan. Read to any fan. Not not. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you just, if find any fan, By read it to them. Read to them. Read them straight away. <laughs> also, I I'd look to see what it means to be a verified Amazon review, and I looked in some of his other reviews. Uh, he left he left this review for toilet paper. Uh, three out of five stars. The title was called Suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> and the review reads it said no bleach and so why are they so white and why am i getting a reaction something isn't right <laughs> so is but he he's but he and yet he praised michael owen's book for being for coming very quickly in brilliant condition that's 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 true mm. and, and what yet, kind of toilet paper yeah comes and yet, in both brilliant of them are covered condition in shit but he likes one more than the other <laughs> <laughs> This is this is far too mean. Immediately, immediately mean. Uh, well, impartial. I may ask you all to remain impartial throughout the whole thing. Actually, no, I don't. That's the whole point of the podcast. To be partial. <laughs> Literally, the point of the show. Um, so that's the all-important review from Omar himself. But what did you lesser mortals think of it? Uh, let's only because he's verified. I still think you guys are amazing. Sure, of course. Yeah. He's important. He's important. Uh, Tash, you've already said something mean about him, so I'm going to move. <laughs> let's go, James. What did you think, James? It was the most difficult book I've read so far out of all of these wow. books. Wow! Uh, it felt like I, it felt like I was in a ma- like trying to get out of a maze for hours and kept ending up at the same point that I started. And like by the end, I was just begging for Jack Torrance to end it all with an X. <laughs> <laughs> James, you're speaking my language. This is, this is exactly basically right. that's how I felt. It just it never ended. I was just I was reading it for days. I was like, what? Why aren't I getting any further through this book? And, am uh, I am I right yeah. in thinking you owned a copy as a child? I did, yeah. So my so my version is different from you guys. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I must have a long time ago, but I don't. Mine stops after year two thousand and four, so I think that's when it was printed ori- originally. So you guys have got another couple I, of years. I, I, I'm I'm sorry. What? Mm. Yours stops after year two thousand and four. Ours goes on for two more years after that. <laughs> mine mine ends when uh, Stevie G decides he's he's staying at Liverpool. That's and you're, when it ends. And it still felt very long. Oh, it was. I don't know. It was so difficult to read. Our copy has a big thing on the back saying neatly draws a line under his Liverpool years. And I was kind of going to ask you, uh, did it give you the closure that you wanted for Michael Owen's story? But you haven't even got that bit. So no closure for you. It didn't. Wow. There's no opinion on Rafa or anything like that. It just it just ends when he's uh, just about to come back after the Euros. He's like, this seems like a natural conclusion for my life story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rafa's it. Cool. Also, he must have then immediately signed from Real Madrid. So he must have been like, there we go, yeah. the end of that. And then someone went, hey, do you want to go to Real Madrid? And he was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, I was writing this, I was writing this just book. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm really, I guess I'll just sack that off and uh, then we'll do yeah. that. Well, I'll, just, I'll send it. It's fine. it's fine. This bit's probably irrelevant. Moving to the biggest club in the world doesn't matter yeah it's not important tash do you enjoy it uh no okay (laughs) (laughs) i i felt a little bit like you know the um analogy of the little mice you know swimming in the milk and then eventually it turns to butter and they climb out but they have to spend hours and hours so i thought maybe there'll be a big payoff at the end where we get to crawl out of the milk churner but no, it didn't happen. We no, still see it. You guys are getting very imaginative with your reviews. You get very imaginative with your reviews this week. Uh, I <laughs> needed yeah. to because I I really needed to drag myself through this book with some I, sort of the pressure's building for me when it comes to me at some point. Oh, what I'm going to compare <laughs> it to? Uh, you know the cigar de familia. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, uh, yeah, I I think drowning in milk's about right. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> 
I really felt like I just I think it's it to be fair, it's not entirely Michael's fault. Um I don't it's, think it's, it's I also don't think it's his fault at all. James, it's, it's your fault. Okay. That's his fault. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I'll take that. Uh no, but we but I just feel like I, I it, it really felt like the same thing over and over and over again. And it's, it's the disadvantage that we have we have also heard this story many times already. Yes. So I think it was it's a double thing of so many times in this book I've written in my notes, you've said that, you've said that, <laughs> you've said that. But is that from is that from having read the other book? Because not no, everyone's no, had the luxury. Having, okay, it, okay, okay. He it's it's having read this book, he he repeats himself a lot. Yeah, he, he does, does he, does, also, he does, does, does. But we've also repeated ourselves himself in the first book as well so you are just spending it's like someone it's like being trapped in a room where someone is telling you their life story over and over again or just telling you anecdotes over and mm-hmm. over again and you have to be like no you've told that one you've told that one maybe it's the perfect it analogy reminded for me of that um episode of friday night dinner where they just have to keep eating rice pudding <gasps> yes like it was like it's that. rice pudding this book is okay it's so i quite and, like rice pudding. inexplicably <laughs> it's pretty nice i can't eat it anymore but in general, I liked it. I used to like it. With 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 you saying that, I I do know I do know what all of you mean. Uh, but you touched upon something interesting when you said I don't think it's entirely his fault. I don't think it's his fault in the slightest. I think a lot of this book is very much still they're trying to project uh, this image of Michael Owen being cleaner than clean and you know they're you know whiter than um, Omar's toilet paper. <laughs> well, that, that, kind, that kind that kind no that, bleach yeah no bleach at all like really like no the boy next door the perfect image of this thing there's no drama it's all very inoffensive oh I, I don't think he's had much role in this I think it's so a tiny spoiler I've moved ahead to the next book I'm not gonna tell you anything about it however having read that book a little bit I feel like reading this book makes you feel like he's you know a um uh he's been like almost like held captive and made to write this it's like propaganda yeah. it feels like reading propaganda this book it's like reading this okay this is what people want to see of michael owen in this kind of way and i i feel like it's, it's it wasn't a satisfying read i'm totally with you on that i didn't enjoy reading it but i i feel like there is a way out where's a way out of it and also there was one moment within this propaganda almost like a little hidden bit that like beyond everything where i actually felt i had a real breakthrough moment which i'm going to come to later where i really feel like I became one with Michael Owen, and I'm I, I'm, I'm going to talk God. about that later. I, I'm going to do sexy music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was that, but in general, Isn't no, that you're, you're right. Stockholm syndrome. I am thinking it. I am, I am thinking it. It could be that. I kind of agree with what you're saying. I remember I mentioned in the last episode that I feel like I've read an entire book about this man, and I don't know anything about him. Yes, and I do kind of still feel like he's rice pudding, but at least I do know where he comes from a bit now. Mm. And, you know, he tracks his family's love of football through each generation back to his granddad, who was a World War II sergeant, and his granny who'd give him the 10p and the dairy milk when he'd score a goal. Yes. And that kind of stuff. Yep. Like, it's very wholesome. Mm. And I always thought he was really boring, obviously. Actually, I do think he's just quite sweet. Yeah. And he just hasn't had any, there's no grit to make a pearl. He just is an oyster, you know? There's not been any dark moments in his life. It's all very sweet and soft and gentle. So why would he be this personality-driven Zlatan type when he's just had no sort of reason I, to I, do it? I agree. And I don't think he's in a position... He's not going to make them up, those kind of stories, is he? And he's not no. going to... And <laughs> no. also, like like I say, at that time, people probably did want to... Whether, whether look, you know, 20-odd years later we were reading it, 17 years later, sure, it's not the most satisfying read, but at the time... He was one of the biggest footballers in the world. And pe- plenty yeah. of people, especially uh, at the, from our book, James, sorry, I haven't got this bit. He's just come back from Newcastle, made a huge homecoming 
from being a Galactico in Real Madrid after yeah. being, you know, and still was one of England's best players. This book kind of was, was, he probably had no choice but to have this book just appear one day. Uh, and it, I, I agree, it's it's a bit of a, it's a cynical cash-in, I would say. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing crazy exciting in there. But I'm not holding it against Michael. I'm, I'm not I'm not holding yeah. it. If, if anything, I feel a bit, I, I, I agree with Tash. He's, he comes across as a very sweet boy. I think you people are crazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I researched it a little bit. And when he released the third one, which I haven't read yet, he said, he gave an interview to the Liverpool Echo about writing it and he says let me get the quote when I wrote my first book it was early in my career and you do it because somebody asks you and you think it will be all right your agent at the time says you need to do it so you just go with the flow but now when I look back at it as much as I enjoyed writing it it's not what I think now so I'm thinking that you know if we look at this trilogy like a Neapolitan ice cream the first book was your kind of sickly strawberry yeah this is the vanilla I'm hoping for some rich dark chocolate for part three (laughs) You know, I'm holding out hopes for part three. But but you found joy in the vanilla at times anyway, at least getting to know his family, right? At times, like getting to know his family, I thought was really sweet. And, you know, he's obviously very, very close to them. He cites one of the darkest, saddest moments in his life as being when they moved to Madrid, him and Louise, his wife and the baby. And he has to leave for training at 10 a.m. And when he comes back at 1 p.m., he feels terrible and guilty. Yeah. Like, can you imagine? This poor woman's got three hours respite from him. And he's like, <laughs> still guilting himself yeah. over it years later. I, I know what you mean by that. And he's, it's that, that is that. But he's, his family, especially for a lot of... His family are really, really lovely to him as well. And I yeah. can kind of see They're why he loves that. Lovely. His parents, he says like how, you know, with all their siblings, they traveled around, watched them doing every single sporting event, really supported them. Uh, this one bit because his dad was obviously a footballer, which I didn't really know much about before. And he says something like, uh, at some point, he says, um, "Dad never talked about being a footballer." And I was like, "Well, he never mentioned it ever. It was just a complete coincidence." Well, at that at he one point, up. he said that the, the the newspapers would have told him. He was like, "The newspapers yeah. mentioned that it was Terry Owen some playing, as if like Michael Owens could yeah. read a newspaper yeah. and be like, Dad, hey, Dad, did you play football?'" <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. You, you might have heard of them, Everton. You heard Everton. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very sweet though like his family all put bets on when he was seven that mm. one day he'd wear an england shirt and things oh, like that it's, it's just they obviously just have a lovely supportive family and this i mean this is a very well-adjusted nice man that we're slagging off because he's not weird enough but in reality he's had a lovely sort of nice childhood and we we're giving him grief for it. Like I'm, I didn't enjoy the book, but I I can't dislike him as a person because I just think he's a product of his environment. I'm totally with you on that, and that is pretty much what my point is going to be later. So I'm going to try and save <laughs> those kind of things. But you mentioned uh, just something in there. You mentioned about uh, his family putting a bet on him. You never hear about yeah. the people who put bets on their kids to play for England. Never did. <laughs> <laughs> My dad put ten grand on ruined. <laughs> I was going to say you sound like you're talking from experience right now. Well, I will say I told him not I mean, to. It's, <laughs> I'm shit. It's a really good job that he is good at football because I have never read or met anyone who bases their whole personality around primary school more. Like he's obsessed with <laughs> yeah. his primary school. And there's one bit where he talks about he was quite into boxing when he was there, and. He still, so I looked it up, this match that he was in was the 4th of March 1990, which means that he was 10. And he still calls the people that he beat victims. His victims. 
<laughs> he still refers to them as that. Like this is a ten-year-olds don't have victims. <laughs> I, I'm, is that is that just um, you know a simple vocabulary issue as opposed? No, to... No, I, I feel like that to him is the darkness in it. That's the what? grit. That's yeah, you're, like you're, you're right moment. with that. That is true. You know? Yeah, there's not really there's any other reason. The will to win, isn't it? He's so competitive. He just wants to win no matter <laughs> what level who yeah. it is. He wants to win everything. I've told you guys, we'd all be better for a bit more Michael Owen. He remembers that moment. Like he talks about how like he was you know he was boxing in front of the dinner jacket scene which is a bizarre thing the <laughs> idea of like what? what 50 50 men wearing dinner jackets watching two 10 year old boys box i don't know <laughs> what was going on in liverpool yeah. in the 90s <laughs> <laughs> but he says like so this match was amazing and like everyone came up to me afterwards being like you know you won that that'll be the uh that'll be the the, the boxer of the day you're the boxer of the night well done and then some other guy won it because he was a heavyweight and you're like why are you going into so much detail you're michael freaking owen and you're like focusing so much on this there's an even weirder bit where he just describes a boxing match at south korea when he's uh when he's at world cup 2002 he just writes about is it a holy field Le- no it's, i think it's, it's, it's mike it's, tyson it's, yeah like lewis mike tyson he just so talks weird. about watching a fight on tv for ages like, oh, can't tell me about what I, you're doing with trevor sinclair <laughs> <laughs> With with the boxing though, there are I mean obviously boxing he did mention in uh, the first book as well. There's quite a lot of topics that pop up uh, a few times. We've already hinted at like we get Jaguars. more depth in there. Jaguars, Jaguars, two two Jags. Owen is that we call yeah. his dad? Two Jags Terry yeah. is that we call his dad when he buys him two Jaguars? <laughs> Imaginative. Uh, Not we a have... single mention of Pepsi Cola. <laughs> No, oh. that's true. Actually. But there is an incredible the moment, out by then. which I forgot from the first book, where he uh, where he breaks his emotions in an injury. <laughs> he like injures himself in this horrible injury. Oh yeah, and and he just he's uh, yeah he's, he's he's injured his emotions and he keeps crying all the time. That's why he describes it as an injury to his emotions. That's so so it weird. Is it, that it is bit, it, didn't that, he? Yeah, a bit so actually quite sad as well. It's because really he's like, oh, it's not just sad because of what happened. It's it's sad because he's like he feels ashamed about the fact that he was crying and all the other Liverpool players make fun of him oh, for crying. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's a bit yeah. like oh guys, come on. And I think that's actually something that probably has changed quite a lot in like how he writes this book. There's a lot of bits where it feels like the Liverpool. He's like oh god, the Liverpool players saw you know me crying or they saw my mum crying and they all made fun of me. And it's like that's a bit. Like, he's at his brain. Leave sad. him alone. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got. He's, <laughs> Shut up, Vagon like, Hegem. <laughs> 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 His head hurts. <laughs> his head, he's, he's got like half a head now. What yeah. are you doing? He's, uh, but also, other things that popped up I noticed. Um, uh, a photo. We have a photo of him with Lara Croft, which is very yep. important to carry on mm. that conversation. Who, who he describes time. as a cartoon character again. So he doesn't <laughs> yeah. quite cartoon get his head around character. the that, that, is a, that is a new level of not knowing what's going on. He clearly <laughs> knew what was going on in the first book. He forgot and then was like, some kind of cartoon <laughs> character. But then surely he'd have gone like, am I a cartoon character? I don't play in the video game. Am I a cartoon character? Michael doesn't play video games. He hasn't got time for them. He doesn't know what they are. He's too busy being good at football and, and golf and boxing. So, um, And also, he reveals something. He talks about his house that he made from scratch again, revealing that he has a mini cinema. Now, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> a man who hates films. Why has he got a mini cinema in his house? That makes no sense. Because he can. Yeah. Because he can. It's good. Like It looks good in OK Magazine, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You watch golfing videos or football matches, you'll hook them up to it. But he doesn't like OK Magazine coming round. He's not he's not fussed about the celebrity life. No. Again? Maybe he, I can imagine he's a big fan of like Danny Dyer's deadliest men and stuff like that. <laughs> I reckon that's his jam. I love to watch Danny Dyer's deadliest I men. I will beat someone up, you know. Jack, is that wait, wait Tash, is that your um is that was that Michael that Owen was or was that Danny Dyer? <laughs> Okay. That, it was kind of half and half. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so that's Tasha's Michael Owen. Jack. You slag. So that's Jack's interesting. Jay-Z got one. It's true that David and I are at opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to our public profiles. 
It was better before. <laughs> that's oh, like, very very good. Good. <laughs> very Profiles. Good. Yeah. I, I'm interested to see how these all develop over the series. Yeah, yeah I'll keep Ooh. I'll keep practicing. Yeah. I'll keep I'll get there. I've got a new section by the way, guys. Who wants to hear this? Talking Ooh. about good. things that he's, we've touched upon uh, in the old books. Here we go. Something that pops up again. This is Michael Jones watch. <laughs> Michael Jones watch. You might remember last week, Michael Jones was, uh, he brought, I don't remember who he was, he was, uh, there was a yeah, quest. his best, best friend that at was it. school, right? A Q&A. He, he, was, he was the golfer that, that Michael Owen could have been. Exactly. Mm. Uh, that, was the, that was in the Q&A section. Uh, they asked, uh, he, he said, who's your best friend at school? Michael Jones. That's all he said about the matter. I wanted to know more about this character. Oh, actually, sadly, here's something interesting. I'm missing pages 15 to 27 in my book. <laughs> just, it just oh, jumps. No. Oh, no. Yeah, real sad, real shame. Jack, we got absolutely swizzed reading yeah. you did, yeah. Thing. You really did. Yeah, uh, old Mikey, old Mikey boy. My best friend from the school days is Michael Jones. When I met him from school, he lived about three miles away from us, so until I was allowed to ride off my bike, I had to rely on mum to drive me to his house. He turned pro in 2003 and has been South Africa to play in the Sunshine Tour. There we go. Nice to flesh out the Michael Jones story. Oh, good. A bit um, more. Um, have we looked up what he's up to now? Uh, nah, not yet. We'll find out next episode. <laughs> in, another, in another edition of Michael Jones Watch. <laughs> Michael Jones watch. Michael Jones better have his like own chapter and reboot. I want like <laughs> at least five, like fifty pages on Michael Jones. I, I've been reading Michael Jones' God, autobiography. If he, if he was like a like an international spy now, he was like that golf thing was just a cover. That would be an unexpected turn. That would be the dark chocolate that I'm looking for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So last week, in last week's book, we talked a lot about France 98, uh, uh, Michael Owen's first international tournament. But Jack, there was another tournament that kind of piqued your interest in this book. Yeah, uh, Euro 2000 with Kevin Keegan at the helm was, I, I thought was probably my, was it my favourite bit of the book? I suppose it was. Okay. Yeah, my favourite bit of the book, okay. I would say. Having, no, having had like him being exclusively doing really, really, really well, mm-hmm. um, there was something quite interesting about seeing him struggling under a new yep. manager like Kevin Keegan. And I think that, what had been like an unbridled success up to this point was kind of brought a bit it's it seems like his relationship with kevin keegan was quite odd like glenn hoddle seemed to big him up at every opportunity and like kind of you know say you can do whatever you want you're you're the golden boy the other you know it doesn't matter how young you are you can play you can be the kid kevin keegan seemed to be like I, he, see, he, he seemed to want to bring him down a couple of pegs and we've kind of had that a few times with kevin keegan yeah like and his assistant did... derek fazakali i think i'm yeah. pretty, am i right in thinking stephen gerrard slagged him off loads Derek, yeah, uh, Stephen Stephen Gerrard ha- hated Derek Fazakali. Yeah, and Owen mentions in my name, so I don't know what, how, what Derek Fazakali was. What a weird name to say, out, but over and over again. But that is a hard <laughs> name to say. He said he was quite negative to them and slagged them off a lot. Didn't yeah. build them up. Yeah. yeah, I don't like him Just at all. He's going in the he's yeah. going the Hall of Shame. We haven't had one of those in a while. <laughs> Hall of Shame Fazakali. Sorry, Jack. You were saying about Kevin Keegan. Kevin Keegan seems to want to change his game quite considerably to the point that he seems to put things in like Michael Owen's head quite a lot. Yeah, like. Um, there's a bit where he describes all the things that Kevin King is trying to do. He's like, you know, make sure that you hold back and like uh, hold the ball up so you can play it to, my, to Alan Shearer because he's the one to do it there. Like, you make sure you go around and, and play these wing, like like doing things that aren't natural to Michael Owen's game. Mm-hmm. And there's to the extent that Michael Owen um, in the first match, I think, against Portugal completely misses the ball at one point. Like he completely freezes up and the ball rolls past his foot. Um, and he said he like turns and looks at Kevin Keegan and Kevin Keegan's kind of throwing his arms up going, oh, you stupid boy. And you have to this kid's 20 <laughs> i forgot he was captain you know? mannering yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah at that point he was captain mannering don't tell him your name owen there was all, all that nonsense <laughs> i talked about last time how michael owen needs to win the book in the first you know the, the first book he really feels like he needs to win every single opportunity he talks to anyone um and it feels like for the first for me for the first 80 or so pages or however long it is it really feels like owen's 
doing everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. Everything is going his way. Which and it was. His interaction it was. Which it, which absolutely yeah. was. His interaction with Keegan is the first time that it kind of he seems to lose confidence in himself, and it's mm. quite sad. And I, I thought you have a kind of there's a kind of depth there that I don't think you get from from his time when he talks to Svenjorn Eriksson or to um or to Hoddle. There's a kind of vulnerability there that I actually weirdly enjoyed. Yeah, well, I know I know what you mean because when you you kind of put this you know entirely. You know, this guy is so together and so sure of himself in a position where all of a sudden he's not got that kind of belief in him. It was interesting. But however, there's fundamentally, I've got something to pick up on here. Um, Kevin Keegan has a go at him for, you know, not uh, holding the ball up well enough and bringing people to play, like you mentioned. However, he's he's like, he's not bothered. He says like, I know my strengths. What's the point? I might as well just keep improving my strengths. Literally the next chapter during the treble, he says, at that time I was working very hard. So he's back at Liverpool at this point. He goes, at that time, I was working very hard on aspects of my game I needed to improve. I was practicing an awful lot. Left foot shots, headers, holding up the ball. And suddenly it seemed it was all paying off. That's literally what he was having a go at, Kevin Keegan, through all that war. <laughs> and then he goes and does the same thing and it works perfectly. So Kevin Keegan was right all along in some ways. So he well, does say, though, I, mean, I think, when he's talking about Kevin Keegan, that if he'd have said, look, you're really good at uh, your pace is a strength and your finishing, let's... Yeah. Also add to that holding up the ball and linking up and whatever. He said he wouldn't have minded, but it said he said he was literally trying to stop him from doing what he was good at and yes. get him to do things that he never which, done Which before. is what Julier... Which is boxing. Know, and, and, and Sven, you're an <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, get back in front of those 10-year-olds. <laughs> I want to see you fight a 10-year-old, Michael. Like, with with Julier and Hoddle, they definitely did seem to be like, you're really good at this, let's try and add this. Whereas yes. with Keegan, it was... It, there's at one point where he's like, uh, Michael, if you weren't Michael Owen right now, I'd take you off. And it was—it's really like this. This kid—he's—he's—he he's, is a little boy. He's a little boy who's struggling in in a big tournament. Stop yeah. being weird, Kevin Keegan. I feel like now we've done—you know—like when we did the Karen Brady book and we got the other side of it. Though it's now made me look at these books and think I want to know both sides of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know what you mean. I, like because I—he's I, I, so. He only ever in the whole book. He only ever gives like his thought on it. He doesn't really seem capable of visualizing what the other person was kind of yeah, thinking. That, yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah. that's really that's genuinely he like in this book he seems to have no understanding of the team yeah. like yeah. he's he's solely focused on himself which is i think has probably made him a really good player but it also makes some of these bits of this book really hard to read like um during the world cup at 98 there's a bit where he talks about how like he spends about five or six pages talking about the penalty that he took at the penalty shootout mm-hmm. um a penalty that was ultimately irrelevant because England went out. Like it was, it was entirely irrelevant. No one, you know, not not because you know, good for Michael Owen for scoring it, but who cares? We're not talking about how good it was because you know, it didn't matter. But like he talks about it for so long, being like, I was so relieved I didn't miss. I was so happy I turned my fa- my family and like pumped my fists, and I was so which happy. Which is very nice, even though we then went. Which is so nice. His family in the crowd. It's it is really sweet, but it's also a bit like. He talks about as well, like as we were leaving, and you know, like uh, England had just been beaten by Argentina in a heartbreaking match. That I myself, like, that's my first, that's my first moment of being truly devastated by football. Mm. I was like, in, I was screaming. I was so upset. I was just like tears streaming down my face. Yeah, yeah. And the idea of like Michael Owen like leaving the pitch and being like, yeah, I've done quite well there. It's sort of like, like, I completely understand. I completely understand why. I think we would all be the same. 
I really think 18-year-old Kirsten take a penalty in a World Cup final with the world watching on. You go, oh, thank God I didn't miss. No, but, but it's no, but, not okay. just that one incident. Like, he does it yeah, quite a lot. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So, I so agree. The, the, there's also so another example that's kind of the opposite is when Liverpool win the League Cup for the first time. And he's like, oh, well, I didn't feel like I was part of it, you know, because I was on the sidelines. And at one point he says, like, I... I, I had a face on me and I wanted Gerard Houllier to know I was angry. And you're kind of like, well, it's 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 a team thing and he's trying to make it a team thing. To him, to him, football is an individual sport. I think, I think it is. he happens to be good at. I really do think, I think he sees it like golf and boxing. Like, I mean, also, like, how many times do we hear about other Liverpool players in this book? But apart from maybe Didi Haman, uh, uh, Steven Gerrard, uh, and a couple of others, I think you hear more about his racehorses, honestly. I know far more about Etienne. Maybe they're just very successful. Lady horses Etienne compared to compared to the England team at that time, they had more yeah. success. <laughs> if, <laughs> if Lady Etienne had been on the left wing for for Liverpool in two thousand one, they'd have won the league. I'm f- <laughs> I fully believe that. Right, guys, time for out of context. Michael Owen, Jack, kick us off with your favorite quote from the book. After that incident, I swore I would never use the word concussion unless I was clinically unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> there we go that's a, that's a good one to kick us off James nothing will ever undermine my love of horses and breeding did you do that in your Michael Owen voice yeah thank you that was good I was very impressed Ta- I'm glad you had to uh, it can't be a good impression because you just had to ask <laughs> yeah. me if that was my <laughs> that's, normal that's, voice uh, former England striker Michael Owen <laughs> um, Tash I used to love looking for balls sometimes I would be 50 yards down the fairway rummaging through the bushes while he was taking his shot yeah <laughs> yeah love it very good line but trust you to go blue trust you to go blue <laughs> <laughs> there's one that's linked to that which is uh to get first pick of the washed balls was to me a major prize <laughs> filthy you guys need to get your head out of the gutter my one is uh very much uh not disgusting i'm sorry but you will never stop grown men playing cards with a bit of money on the side and that's fine so that's my one <laughs> oh, that, that's a quite good summary of this but like to him that is being a real renegade yes yeah like some pub gambling is it, but, the uh, cutting edge. You say quite a bit, bit of gambling. 30 grand owed to Kieran Dyer. 30 grand. Quite, quite 30 grand to get Kieran Dyer. Guys, we're halfway through our Michael Owen trilogy officially. And there'll be more of Michael's second book after the break, including Owen on Beckham. Hello. Um, hello there. What voice do you want me to do? We will do a little bit. I'll just do my voice. Do I? your voice. Yeah, thanks. Hello. I'm Joe Marlowe. People think I hate people, but I don't. (laughs) I actually love interaction with people. I love finding out what jobs they do and whether I could do what they do. The Joe Marler Show. Joe Marler Show. With new episodes every Wednesday. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to Football Book Club, where we are reading the second book in the Michael Owen trilogy. James, I know there was an England teammate uh, that you had a you were very interested by in this book. Yeah, he talks about our David a lot, our David Beckham. David, and oh Beckham, got it. He has, <laughs> okay. Yeah. When he said our David, I immediately went to um, Gail Platt in Corrie and thought, uh, yeah. <laughs> is David yep. Platt as a son? Lived in the same city. Is he called David um, Platt? No, I feel like David Beckham David Platt, is our yeah. David. Okay. Yeah, our sure. David. To me, to me, it's, da- it's David Platt off Corrie. That's, that's my, that's my <laughs> our David, I'm afraid. To, to me, it's David Duchovny. So, yep. you know. We've all got, <laughs> we've all got a own. different David in our life. <laughs> we've all got our own Davids. But his relationship with, with Beckham is interesting because he, he clearly likes him. But yep. he's constantly comparing himself to him and justifying why it's fine that they're like polar opposites. Uh, it's True. strange. Like he's very aware that him and Beckham are very different people, but then he sort of bases everything he does on whether Beckham's done it first or done it differently. Uh, and I don't know if it's just like his desire to beat records and being annoyed that Beckham's done it slightly before him or what. It's just he talks about him a lot, and it's sort of he goes between sort of saying we're very different people, we don't really talk that much, to going yeah we're best mates. It's like hard to. It's hard to know exactly what their relationship was, I think. And you didn't even have the Madrid chapter, I don't think. Which I didn't. When, yeah. when, they, when they hang out quite a lot, he goes around his house and they, I don't know what okay. do Madrid, have a siesta together. Do they, <laughs> and they hang out and piss around in, 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 in their lovely houses. And I, 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 I agree with you. I, I wonder if it's because at the time, obviously, they were the two big superstars. And he mentions France mm-hmm. 98 quite a bit. Obviously, Beckham became uh, like, you know... Uh, the, the country's biggest villain and Michael Owen became mm. our, our new darling. And I wonder if, uh, because they were the two big names of the late nineties, early noughties so football. If Beckham was Regina George, then Owen was Lindsay Lohan. Ooh, is Katie Heron. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Uh, yeah. in, in not so good. Uh, and and the, good Neville, like, yeah. the Nevilles are the other two mean girls. Okay. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we keep on trying to make fetch happen. And wait, and wait, yeah. and Phil Neville can tell uh, the weather with his tits. <laughs> Yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> that is what they say yeah. about the Phil Neville. Um, Did you notice the incredibly catty line that he had about David Beckham? No. Yeah, I think I know what it is. Yeah. It was cool. um I haven't earned the money he has because I haven't smiled for as many cameras or encouraged <laughs> as much interest in my life. Yeah. See yeah. that's the grit that Tash likes. That's Ooh, the grit that Tash salty. likes. Salty. Yeah, Yikes. <laughs> Give me more. He said something similar as well where he was like, you know, uh 
just because he's like throws himself in front of uh, publicity or whatever, and it's like, oh, yeah. okay, Michael. There's but then little, he's like, it's fine, edge. it's fine. We're different. It's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. It just there's a literally on the same page. It's strange because. He's talking about Beckham and his relationship with him. And he's like, are we close? We're very friendly, but I don't talk to him regularly. I don't even have his mobile number. And it's like, all right. And then literally on the same page, like in the next paragraph, he's like, David and I talk a lot. We're good mates. We have meals together and discuss the game and other England players. Like, which is it? You've like, brought up, but we don't, is... we don't have our phone number. That... We we just shout. We just shout at each other across the street. <laughs> is... like, Do you want to have dinner? Sure. That is honestly one of the things I was wondering. Uh, uh, that, is the, that is the strange thing, but that really did stick with me throughout the book. I was just wondering, does Michael have his phone number or not? I really couldn't understand it because in Madrid, like he pops around his house quite a lot. And he says at some point that he gets, every time he wants to call Dave Beckham, he gets he calls his agent who gives gives him back yeah. numbers. Let's just fucking save it. Save it in your phone. Yeah. Understand save the concept it. of yeah. writing down a phone number or saving it in your phone. Scott, got to ring my agent again. <laughs> Where he's like, I don't have I don't have David Beckham's phone number and that's fine because you know, if you think about it when you're working with like lots of people in a factory, you wouldn't have all their numbers, would you? I don't know what common people do. They work in factories, <laughs> I suppose. You have, I love like, how he thinks there's numbers, only two jobs. You? There's football or working <laughs> in a factory because he <laughs> mentions it a few times. There's football, a factory, and also being an engineer because that's what his <laughs> brothers do. And then yes. the bit where he's like, you know, being a footballer and being an engineer, they're they're both as valuable as each other. And I was like, well, arguably, an engineer is much more valuable. <laughs> <laughs> he says, like, you know, if my brother were to put a hole in the wrong bit of an airplane, that'd be really bad. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah true, has yeah. that happened, <laughs> Michael? You should tell someone if that's happened. <laughs> Do you want to hear about the moment I feel like I finally got Michael Owen? Yeah. 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 Look, so most of the book, I was kind of the same as you guys, uh, especially Jack. I was, I was, I was kind of like, oh God, it goes on a lot. I've read a lot of these stories. I mean, again, not necessarily in the same way Jack did, more because I thought, you know, we've covered them in the past, which is a privilege not many readers of Michael Owen off the record have had necessarily. So they haven't all necessarily <laughs> been, been involved in, you know, a, a Michael Owen marathon like ourselves. However, um, I did feel like uh, a lot of the time at the beginning, Michael very much uh, the way he talks is like a, a per, an alien learning how to be human a lot of the way through there's a bit when he first goes into the um into the Liverpool dressing room and he talks about uh, the culture was more laddish close to the stereotype of how young footballers behave it wouldn't be unusual to see the odd girly mag lying around the changing room but it was harmless lads behaviour I know from talking to my brothers who work in factories that pranks and uh, factories again that, prank, that pranks and jokes are a feature of the workplace everywhere <laughs> it sounds like an alien trying to go like, oh, okay. yeah. these girly mags do you have the girly mags <laughs> perhaps after we have looked at the girly mags we do the pranks which are feature of all the workplaces it's like when kang and kodos uh, become uh, yeah. become uh, al-, al gore and, and bill Dalt. clinton yeah, yeah. Bob Dalt, yeah. <laughs> it's very strange about that and he talks about um the main difference between english and foreign players is the sense of humor like he's writing some like book about it if you get up to a prank with someone's toothbrush in the team hotel a lot of foreign players just won't find that funny but i'm laughing even as i say this he's <laughs> just but what's the prank you can't just keep it incredibly vague i and think there's a reason I'm that prank about it. I'm, I'm pretty it's sure too blue for michael yeah, to say that's too blue for the, uh, the publishers i love how he just like says all foreign people have no sense of humor apart from Didi Haman. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. And he's like Didi Haman's basically English. He's kind of English, really. Didi gets it. Didi gets it. No one else does. But I went through the whole book, kind of thinking, yeah, this this guy, this guy's a goof. He doesn't know. He, he can't. He's pretending to be. He's not a real person. But then, then I had a breakthrough. I had a breakthrough, and it's a fairly innocuous moment. Page two hundred fifty-seven, quite far into the book. I'd say two thirds of the way into it. I was just reading it. And uh, it's all about, uh, he scores a hat-trick against Kevin Keegan's Man City. 
at Main Road. Uh oh. Drama. In my occasional barren spells, I do get grumpy. I admit that. I start to feel as if the world is against me. My suspicion is that some people are enjoying seeing me go through a bad patch. It's just my self-defense mode. But I can feel a rush of goals coming in the hat-trick against City. So, very, very nothing. Very nothing, you might think. But this, I think within that, there's something really, really, really revealing about Michael Owen. Around, like, you know, just pap about the goals that he scored. Because I don't know if it was, as Tash mentioned, Stockholm Syndrome or what. But I feel like that at that moment... I started caring for Owen. You could see that he's really, he just wants to be loved. He really just wants to be loved. He's worked so hard all his life, just getting good at football. That's all he's really done. He's focused on football from really, really, really young age, where it's been given the dairy milk by his grandma or, you know, being pushed by his dad to be the best that he can possibly be. And he's focused entirely on that all the, all the time. And he's kind of neglected the social side of things, like, you know, mm. the normal side of being a youngster and going out socialising. So no wonder he's not the most, not perhaps socially adjusted, you would say. And when, then he gets criticised about it. It hurts him because like, he's kind of like, what more do you want? I'm doing everything that I can do. And I feel like nowadays you look at Michael Owen and with the BT stuff where he gets criticised and... I think he's quite conscious, even at this point within this, you know, heavily propaganda-sized book that we're reading. He's quite conscious that he's not one of these over-the-top characters, like, you know, like these flawed heroes that you usually get in English football, like Gaza or Rooney or even Robbie Fowler at Liverpool, who he mentions quite a few times how he says that, you know, the Liverpool fans really take to Fowler. Maybe they haven't taken to me as much. They see him as one of their own, maybe yeah. not. So I, I think despite everything he does, people don't fall for him as much because of that, because he's a bit too polished, a bit too bland, perhaps, in some ways. He's just this goal-scoring machine. And every, but everything he does is incredible. And that's what frustrates him, that he, he doesn't really know what he can do to impress people anymore. Sorry, this is getting very impassioned. <laughs> because, and, 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 he, and he's not fussed either in many ways, because he doesn't want to sacrifice the fact that he's so good at this just for the fame thing or, you know, to, to do outrageous things just because it'll make people people like him more. Because really, fundamentally, all he cares about is scoring goals and his family. And he absolutely loves his family so much in this whole thing. And he really, 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 really cares about them. There's a whole chapter in here. Given some of the books that we've read, like um, Darren Huckabee, we, we, I think we mentioned in the very first episode, he mentions his wife less than Evander Holyfield in the book. Um, <laughs> he's got a whole chapter called Gemma, all about his daughter being born yeah. and then the next chapter about that is called life and death and there's he goes into so much depth about this really sad story about where uh, his wife louise falls off a horse and he's he's terrified that he might he might lose her or she might be paralyzed and i think he says he, he rationalizes really quickly that she's not gonna be that she's that she's not gonna die he's like i figured that out straight away uh but and then from then on he does sort of go like i i had like stone cold logic i was, yeah, I was fully like, aware of what was going on at that moment no, she's the only fine. thing i really thought is i hope she's not paralyzed and you're like yeah oh god yeah it, it, it's it's but it's but he you can tell at that moment like he feels like everything could be collapsing around him at that point and to that and that's not even an isolated incident. There's so many examples of these, you know, family things all the way through the book. That it's, it's it's what he cares about, and I feel like we should give him a lot of credit for being a footballer. Perhaps there's not many other things to talk about, like you know, with you know Perry Groves's book where he's got all these funny anecdotes and stuff like that. Perhaps Owen doesn't have the luxury of that, but he talks about his family, family so 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 much in this book around that, and I really feel at the end of the day that's all he cares about. And you know what? Well, he doesn't need our respect. He doesn't need us. Like, that's the whole, this whole podcast is flawed. Yeah. He doesn't care what we think about his book. He only cares oh, about great. his family. Now <laughs> you decided the whole podcast is flawed. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much for deciding on the second last episode that the whole thing is flawed. <laughs> oh, great. Basically, what I'm saying is I feel like Michael, I've connected with him more than most other footballers 
reading this book at that moment. And that way, I really do. I just felt like, again, we've all been in that situation where you feel like, well, what more can I do? And everything you do, it seems to be making it worse a lot of the time. And I feel like, oh, I, I, I see that. I, I, I totally understand what you're saying, but I don't want to read that book. Yes. In oh. as much that I don't want to watch <laughs> yeah. the film about the boring person's I, life. I, to- you know I, mean? I totally agree. And I'm not saying it didn't make the book good. <laughs> it just it was just, it just made you understand it. It just made me like, understand it, which I think is that well, I, I, I think that's the point of the show. Well, see, okay, so I, so <laughs> it's I called the Football I do... Understanding Personalities podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's not catchy, Let's understand but... this person. <laughs> yeah. No, see, okay, so I, to an extent, I agree, but then I sort of felt like that was Steve Bruce's book, where it was very dull, but I, I found him quite charming. For some reason, I find Michael Owen very defensive throughout this whole book, and that's what really grates. He's very defensive on almost every single thing that he does. It, the amount of times he says, people may say this about me, and then say, and it's probably because he has, you know, had these people say these things, and he's felt very much in the spotlight. Yeah. But it does become quite exhausting after a while, where you just feel like you're you know he talks about how many times he's been accused of diving and like oh you wouldn't have you wouldn't have been insulted if if i'd got that penalty and I, it just i it grates after a while and i i don't i i agree that there are there are little moments where you feel like you can see that you know that poor person put upon personality but for the most part i feel like the defensiveness just closes me off from that i, I know what you mean and i do think he can be a bit bitter at times with a lot of things but what i'm saying is i get why he is i get i get why he's like that and you know to me He's he's a he's a he's 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 a footballer, and in much the same way, I can't remember whose book we read, but someone wrote a book where they said like people expect. Oh, it was Steve Bruce, actually, Steve Bruce actually, I think he wrote something at the end of his book, which was something along the lines of like, uh, you know, footballers, why should they in interviews be or like you know, be expected to know everything about everything all the time like that? They're footballers. At the end of the day, they're paid to run around for ninety minutes, score more goals than the other team. That's all that kind of matters. And and Owen, in many ways, he does that as well probably better than anyone who ever read in the podcast before and if I, i'm just saying i can't I, I, defend then, but don't write three bloody books about it <laughs> <laughs> and also running around <laughs> it just he seems so unhappy i just oh yeah the thing is i don't mind the defensiveness it's just it needs to be more condensed i think like he doesn't need to keep like there's a bit where he's talking about the gambling thing which fair enough he wanted to address it and say look i haven't got a gambling problem it's you know i can afford to lose that money whatever i don't have a, it's not an issue but he spends like pages talking about it and it's like all right just say it just say your piece and then just be out of there you just move if on. you want to bet it's fine i i agree look bad book however i was <laughs> my new best mate that's basically what i'm saying and i cannot wait to read the next one to get to know more adventures of my I little i feel friend, like you're Michael. gonna spring it on us that he's coming on next week and only you have made yourself look good and we are all gonna get like <laughs> yeah i've, sent, by I've sent all yeah. i've just i've already sent him all those clips of jack slagging him off so and, and i've sent him your impression <laughs> you're making tash. fun of my snooker yeah. table are you jack <laughs> he wasn't very impressed by your impression tash he was very upset by <laughs> um, but however i want to end uh, that little segment on just a guy he had a very inspiring if incredibly basic life philosophy which i I wanted to treat you all to uh, Michael Owen's philosophy in life. One of my philosophies in life is that everything will always turn out fine. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> that is Michael, kind of in a nutshell. Every, at the end, despite all that depth, which I kind of went into there, it was kind of negated a little bit. End of the book. Michael heads to Newcastle. Uh, well, not in James one and Madrid. We haven't really touched upon Madrid because that's such a. It's really fleeting in the book. He kind of goes to Madrid, doesn't really like it, leaves in that but yeah and and well it's weird because there's at one point in and i reckon there was probably another version of this book because at one point he said um 
oh, you know, they were looking for, the people said that I was going to leave in January and I would never do that. I'd never give up after five months. I'm, you know, I'm, I came all the way out here. I'm not going to give up after five months. And then he gives up after 12 months. It's yeah. like, what would... <laughs> Look, those like, months are very and, important. And he, also sort of, and he also implies, like, that was the plan all along. And mm-hmm. I feel like there's a sort of, he feels... He's he keeps on if he he really has it in his head that he's a bit part person in in Madrid I think yes or that people have accused him of being that he keeps on saying I scored sixteen goals in twenty nine starts not bad for a bit part player am I which I think is something a... which was a level at M a lot to be honest the best Cause I, know, I, I, I even I I, mean, I don't remember that time that well but I kind of remember him I, being uh you know pinned as a bit of a, as a failure abroad basically yeah but I think that's pretty similar to how Bale is perceived as a failure abroad despite the fact that he's scored loads of goals and been really yeah I'm on four Champions Leagues a little bit different but. Yeah. yeah. No. No. But no. But like, what I mean is like, it, it like there's an expectation at Real Madrid that you kind of once you're there, you have to score loads of goals to stay on, mm. and that yeah, like like he scored 16 goals. That's fine. He just seems very keen to say like, you know, I I did it. I, I achieved. But if he had achieved more, he probably would have stayed for longer. Is how you yeah. sort of feel about it. He, I don't know. And you know, like, it was never going to work. He was incredibly homesick. He missed his home cinema. Back home, he, <laughs> he, missed, he missed everything else. Out he there. said, "Like the only thing you can do is sit about watching Spanish TV." And it's like, well, it's not strictly true, but okay. Sure, <laughs> yeah. In Spain, all you can do in. is watch Spanish TV. They won't let you do anything else. There's like nothing else that we can do. <laughs> we always speaking Spanish over there. <laughs> yeah, just don't get it. Sick of it. And also, uh, one other thing I noticed before we went to Newcastle, which we only really get the very beginning of his time at Newcastle in this book, is a real teaser. Again, it's like a homecoming book, I guess. This thing. Apparently, Wigan tried to sign him. That was very ambitious. Yeah. Newly promoted Wigan trying great. to sign. Yeah, well. I think in the end they probably went for Omri Camero instead. <laughs> that, worked, that worked out nicely. Big question: Did the book change you? I'm going to jump in there straight away. Me, it clearly did change me in some way because I am <laughs> very much Team Owen. Uh, James, did you enjoy it? Uh, did it change you? Uh, it didn't change me. Uh, it was fine. Didn't really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And that's really my feedback. Sorry. And, and you got no closure <laughs> on the Liverpool segment either. You got no closure on his Liverpool career. No, I'm hoping reboot's gonna. The third book in the trilogy is going to turn this all around. I th- I've got, I've got yeah. hope yet. Yeah. You, the cliffhanger at the end of this one is brilliant, though. To be fair, what's the cliffhanger? That he's at Newcastle. <laughs> 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 yeah. Whoa! Where's it going to go now? This guy. What's going to happen? Newcastle. Oh, it's going to yeah. go. It's not going to happen. And too much, it doesn't. So yeah, <laughs> it does all go wrong. Uh, Tash, did it change you? No. Okay. <laughs> but you got to know his family a bit better you're happy with that i did get to know his family and i now follow his daughter on instagram so that's something there we go yes we've all we've, we've all got Good. something out of it jack what did you get out of it uh i i didn't really get much out of it i'll be honest okay i, I um, you got a book out it, of it, it, it yeah but even that is on kindle so it's fleeting isn't it <laughs> i mean i suppose i got i i suppose what i got out of it is the acknowledgement that existence is fleeting Perfect. Well, at least, yeah. like I say, we all got something out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Jack, I'm very, I feel very bad that uh, we're, we're putting you through something that we don't want to do. I feel... Um... Do you know what, Jay? I, I, I've been joking a lot here, but you really should feel bad. <laughs> um... <laughs> I don't feel that bad. Rating out of 10, guys. What are you going to give it to put it on the leaderboard? Let's kick off with who's going to be the least brutal? James. Let's, let's kick off with James. Whoa. You never would have said that I know, before. I know. Something's yeah. changed. Something's flipped okay. the series. Um, five. Right in the middle. Okay. Okay. I'm actually going to give it, despite what I said, I'm going to give it a three because I really didn't actually enjoy oh, the book. Oh, what the hell? I know. <laughs> what are we know. doing here? I know. But just, it was really just that moment. I, I honestly agreed totally with you. The book all the way through, I didn't enjoy it. And I'm not trying to spring a surprise. I just found that little segment so insightful. And I feel like 
I'm very interested to follow this part. How has this happened? Tash, what did you give us? Oh my God. I feel like you're doing some sort of like (laughs) mental treatment on us that you're going (laughs) to... What is going on? Uh, I will give it a four. Four. Okay. And Jack? I'll give it a five. Sure. It's fine. It was absolutely fine. Feeling I mean, shock. It's like it's like when they send the wrong uh, group home from judges' houses <laughs> just now. That's how I feel. Yeah. Look, I what are you doing? I totally what? agree with you about the book. I found the book. No, you don't. I do. You I don't. do. You spent like you spent close to no. an hour saying how much you loved it. I disagree <laughs> with you guys about Michael Owen, but I don't disagree with you about the book. I think the book was a was a, was a bad read. It was very hard to read. Your speech I, I, was like akin to Al Pacino in Scent of a Woman. When you really get was. up and just you and then what? you're going. I feel like I can't, I can't trust any compliments from you ever you could say the nicest things about someone I, and then go like oh do you know what he's three out of ten that guy three <laughs> out of ten the book has gone down estimations but michael learned massively up in my estimations for reading in this I, I just i just i separate the art from the artist i'd massively had on it i i just oh, I, I just feel like i it's it's not about the notes he's playing it's about the notes he's not playing <laughs> oh my what, god that's what it is your words are making me angrier <laughs> Like you reading this book and giving this feedback is making me view you differently. Wow, interesting. Because, yeah, yeah. Cool. because yeah. I, I, if I feel like if you identify with him that closely, then oh, that's true. You know. Oh, uh, also, oh, this at least means that Michael Owen definitely isn't going to be on the podcast. That's a really. <laughs> <laughs> we knocked that on the head. Uh, so it's another four point two five. It's got exactly the same as it got last time. So he hasn't gone up, hasn't gone down. <laughs> Both books have got four point two five. About right. That's because some weirdo gave him three. <laughs> <laughs> For the quiz this week, you're all named after some of Michael's strike partners from this period. So Jack, you're Ronaldo. Tash, you're Alan Shearer. James, you're T.T. Kamara. Okay, (laughs) excited. That's unnecessarily cruel. Question number one. According to Michael, what two things do you need to take a penalty? Oh, um, uh, Ronaldo. Yes. I mean, arguably, Ronaldo. You probably need Ronaldo to take a penalty. Spuds. Very good, yeah. And, uh, I don't know, um, uh, football boots. Uh, Close enough. Uh, a good finish and a decent pair of spuds, which he says. Decent pair of spuds. Which yeah, he means. He says that uh, Alan Shearer probably has the biggest pair yes, in the world. He says Alan Shearer's probably got the biggest pair of spuds. I'm not sure if that's insight into the dressing I do have the biggest pair of spuds in the world, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Tash, Tash is really. Again, in much the same way I kind of channeled Michael Owen, Tash is channeling Alan Shearer and his big spuds. Most of the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> big spud energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Question number two. Uh, more Sander Vesterveld trivia. So last week we learned that, what was it? He's good at the Weakest Link game or something, wasn't it? Or who wants to see a millionaire? Who wants to see a millionaire game? This week, apart from some dodgy performances on the pitch, what else do you do to lose his place in the team? Although, yep. he blogged. Yes, yes. <laughs> he wouldn't stop talking freely on websites. <laughs> on internet websites. Yeah. Like he's, like he's, Hi guys, Sander Vesterveld here. Uh... <laughs> like he's Perez Hilton. Just like slagging yeah. off the rest <laughs> yeah. of the team. Bizarre. You won't believe what Veyard Hegem was wearing this week. <laughs> XOXO. <laughs> Question number three. Who was Michael Owen's golfing partner at Real Madrid? Titi Camara. It wasn't him. Ronaldo. Yeah, so, yeah. It's correct. Yeah, it Very confusing. Yeah. Oh, I should have. That was yeah. the one I should have got. I should have jumped Tricked in on. You into oh, that. Man. Of course, we're talking about the. That bit was so strange. Uh, that wait, was, I didn't have the Real Madrid bit. Wait, yeah, you said you didn't have How the Real Madrid. How do I know bit. that? What the heck? How do I know that? <laughs> what happened here? I uh, I have a vivid story in my mind of <laughs> what is happening. I must have seen that in an interview somewhere. This is the str- one of the strangest little book clubs. <laughs> what the hell? 
I just realized I was like, I th- that I was the strangest like... bit. And I was like, hang on a minute. That wasn't a bit. I feel like just something I the know. 45 minutes we had trying to figure out our tech before this recording has put us all in a very strange place. <laughs> <laughs> this episode. Apologies to the listeners. That? <laughs> that is bizarre. And also... Um, I feel like at the end of the sixth sense. I don't yes. know what's going on. <laughs> also, I think Cesar Sanchez, uh, the very briefly Spurs goalkeeper, was another one, I think. And there, that was the other answer. Um, so it's 2-1. All to play for still. So quick fire. I'm going to give you a few things. You've got to tell me if it's in the index or not. Uh, number one, Nelson Mandela. Oh, uh, Ronaldo. Yes. Is correct. Sorry, Alan Shearer. You've got to be in there with your big spuds quicker. Um, <laughs> number two, is it in the index? Evander Holyfield. Oh, uh, Ronaldo. Yes. Yeah, of course it is, because he talks about Evander Holyfield playing against Lennox Lewis. Uh, I think it's Mike Tyson versus Lennox Lewis, actually. But doesn't he? No, he also plays against Evander Holyfield, doesn't he? Uh, no! Alan Shearer? Alan Shearer? Yeah. No, because it was in the first book. Uh, no! no, actually, it, it is. He's in the index. Oh. Sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, yes. it, it, turn around. But I just, I was just correcting on that. So yeah, you are right with that point. And finally, Jumanji is it in the um, is it in the index? Titi Kamara, no, it's not. Why would a film be in? Is very good, very good point. So I think at the end of that, uh, football's the winner. I can't. Remember. I think. I think. I think. I think uh, uh, um, Ronaldo's the winner. Um, as a reward, you will get uh, Ken Zong this week. Uh, you remember Ken? He's the master of writing chants for long since retired players. And you will remember he's been set this ch- task to, you know, as we read the Michael Owen books, he's going to come up with three Michael Owen chants every week. I'll be honest. I think he's struggling. <laughs> on accounts of this. Do you know what? If, he, if, if we're struggling, he should struggle. Yeah, I, th- I, I don't know if, if Ken's been part of this, this call we're on, but he's struggling just as much as we are. This week, to the tune of Shaka Khan's I'm Every Woman. He's Michael Owen. Just set him free. Any goals you want score, baby? He does it naturally. Oh. 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 So that was Ken's chant. Yeah, it's good. You yeah. know, it's good. Yes, it's hard. It's it a hard good. name to write three chants about. I really shouldn't have set him this task group, to be honest. He's really, really struggling with it. I quite fancy next week him doing Ariana Grande's God is a Owen. <laughs> that's not yeah that's good God is an Owen okay okay yeah yeah. you'll believe that God is an Owen what about Omen yeah. by um, the Prodigy I don't know how you could do that but it's an Owen two books down everybody we are almost there next week how are we feeling first of all feeling good uh, I'm, I'm on the edge i'm on okay. the freaking edge right now let's see if we can push him over next week when we read our final chapter of the michael Owen trilogy his 2019 book reboot much more recent also nominated for autobiography of the year at the sports book awards 2020 so oh, yeah God. yeah good yeah yeah i don't think this was nominated for anything well, then 2020 was a weird year so you know all right yeah, look, go into it. Saying. Go into it. Go into it with with you know your expectations. I know. I'm just. I, I don't want to get my expectations too high. Is what I mean. Yeah, I don't think there's any danger of that from what you've been saying about Michael Owen. <laughs> <throughout> <laughs> this whole thing. If you've read any of the Michael Owen books, we'd love to hear from you. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at Footy Book Club, Instagram at Football Book Club, and we're on Facebook. Or email us at fbc at crowdnetwork.co.uk. We're going to record 20 minutes extra Owen action now, exclusively for our Football Book Club club members. If you haven't already joined, basically you can access all of our bonus chapter episodes that we make. They're 20 minutes long every single week as well as exclusive events and get your own football book club book book bookmark 
all for a very reasonable price. Head to patreon.com forward slash football club to find out more. They should join, shouldn't they, guys? Absolutely. We had some great chat last week. Really great chat. What did we chat about last week? I can't remember. No, I can't remember. About, I mean, it was great. I think we mentioned something about Trevor Sinclair living in Dubai. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> yeah. was cool. I did enjoy that. I feel yeah, the fact that, that I gave cool. out was not factually accurate. I'm gonna, I can't, can't revisit that some point. <laughs> anyway, to hear my factually inaccurate uh, facts, th- jump onto that. Thanks again, everyone. And uh, oh, also, you know what? We've been through a lot this series. It, last week is the last book of the series that we're reading and the last book of the trilogy. I'm going to treat you guys. We're all going to go out and we're going to meet in person next week and actually be oh back together gosh. and read it. The world's reopening. We're reading Michael Owen's oh. reboot. Let's see each other. You looking forward to it? Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> no, uh, yes, I'm, I can't wait. I can't I'm wait, genuinely. Excited. I'm very excited about the fact that we're meeting. Can we all up. wear full kit? <gasps> yes. Nah. Oh, I can't watch that. We'll still, we'll still clear that. We'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe. All come. Maybe. Yeah. And I'll put it on underneath my clothes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Any last words this week, guys? Three. <laughs> <laughs> see you next week. Thanks for listening to Football Book Club. It featured James Bug, Jack Bernhardt, Natasha Daniels, and James Balgen. It was created by James Bug, and it was a crowd production. Thanks to Michael Owen for writing the book, but what are they all up to now? Well, guess what? You're just going to have to listen to next week's episode to find out in the final part of the Michael Owen trilogy, where we read 2019's reboot. See you then. Bye-bye. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.